God, we thank you for little blessings like Liam that teach us how to pray. Lord, we know that we live in a a broken world, a world with sin and heartache and hardship, and yet, God, if we're honest, we would love some answers here. Because, God, in in our heart of hearts, in the way that we know and we come to love, Lord, we cannot figure out in our minds why this boy is still on life support. And yet, God, we we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. Lord, we confess that we, looking along the way, have seen little miracles already for little Liam. God, times where we were in the darkest of nights thinking this was the end, and yet he pulled through, and we believe it was with your help. And so, God, we're asking for your help again. Lord, we're praying that, uh, that Liam would be healed in Jesus' name. God, through doctors and nurses and answers, somewhere there's a needle in this haystack. So God, we ask as Lord of all creation, the one who is all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful, God, we pray for an answer this morning. God, I pray for Ty and Jill that you would continue to give them endurance to run this race, Lord. That you would guard them and protect them. Lord, we thank you that you love us. Lord, we thank you that even when we don't have answers, even in the midst of suffering, uh, you weep with us, you walk with us. So Lord, we ask this morning, would you watch over the family today? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. And thanks for praying with me. We'll try to keep everybody updated on our Facebook page and also through email this week. Um, we're, we're jumping into a, a wild card sermon, as I call it, from Romans 12. We're going to read Romans 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 21 this morning. Romans 12, 1 through 21. Hear now the word of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ." and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. 
Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will replace, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. But if I were to give you a test on the substance of what I just read, how well do you think you'd do? 21 long verses. I've been reading through Romans this summer, and, and last week I got stuck on this passage, this chapter. And I feel like every time I open up this word, something new comes to the surface. Something I hadn't thought of before, something I hadn't considered in my life. Because this chapter is chock full of what I might call enduring exhortation. There's no long list of names or genealogies to get lost in this morning. There's no long story for us to try to pull meaning from. Just boom, boom, boom. Truth bombs. It's like sitting with a wise mentor over breakfast as they just pour words into your life. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is worship. Don't be lazy with your days. Be fervent in spirit. Let your love be genuine. Abhor evil, cling to good. Be patient in trial, constant in prayer. Live in harmony, bless those who persecute you. Never be wise in your own sight. It's overwhelming. Like if you were to calculate the ratio of mass and volume in our scripture lesson, the density of wisdom this morning in this chapter is overwhelming. 21 verses loaded with teaching for the church. In fact, just this week I was thinking about this. What would happen if we took the next 21 days and every day we just focused on one verse of this scripture? I bet we'd see our entire perspective of life begin to shift. And that's the point I guess I want to get across to us this morning. When was the last time you let God's word lead your life? Look at this in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you might discern what is God's will, his good and acceptable and perfect will. You know, every day I feel like uh, we're really faced with two simple options as the church. Conform to what the world looks like or by God's word, go another way. And here's the reality, I think. Um, if we're honest, far too many hours, far too many days go by where God's word is sort of pushed to the side, especially these days. The scriptures that are packed with wisdom and knowledge and guidance that could have led us well often get left out of our minds entirely. Life sort of goes screaming by us and like a pilot without a radar, we end up flying by the seat of our pants. And in the chaos of it all, if we're not intentional, we miss the memo. My freshman uh, year in college, I took one of the difficult classes I've ever had in all of my studies. The hardship wasn't the course, it was world history. The hardship was the professor. 
He spoke in a dialect I couldn't understand. I felt like all the readings were like this PhD sort of dissertation level. Come finals week, I'll never forget. I pulled two all-nighters for that exam. I was determined I was going to ace that class and ace that test. But as I finally sat down for the exam, I was shocked because it was shorter than any exam I had had in any class all semester long. So I filled in every multiple choice answer with my number two pencil, and I was gone within an hour. Later that day, one of my classmates found me in the cafeteria back in the dorms. He said, how'd you get done so early? I said, it was a multiple choice test. All the answers were right in front of you. How hard could it be? He said, yeah, I agree. That was the easy part, but those essays were impossible. I said, what do you mean, the essays? He looked at me with this shock in his face. He said, you wrote out the essays, didn't you? I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was certain in that moment he was kidding me. He said, you didn't hear the professor at the beginning of the class? You, you should have turned the paper over. My heart dropped in my stomach. I sprinted back to the TA's office, but it was too late. Once you turn your exam in, you're done. I missed the memo. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you might discern that is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you think about an average day, you know, uh, we're all being formed by something, right? The media we watch, the books we read, the, the conversations that we choose to engage in. Look at how our scripture lays us out for a minute. It says the words both conform and transform. They come from the same root. Form. You're with me. Every day we are either conformed by the patterns of this world or we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, God's word teaches us. The first prefix con meaning with, to go with something. The second prefix trans meaning beyond, transcontinental railroad, beyond a continent. In other words, the patterns of our lives are either with this world or beyond this world. We either succumb to the norms and customs of a secular society and all of its chaos, or we rise above the fray. But here's the clincher. I would suggest that the greatest threat to the American church is not Marxism or liberalism. It's not social upheaval. It's not an election season. It's not a pandemic. The single greatest threat to the Christian church is our failure to first know God's word and to second live it out. If there's an issue I'd say that we need to concern ourselves with or a, a contemporary problem to lose sleep over, it's our lack of knowledge of God's word. It's the very spectacles by which we're called to understand life. It is the roadmap by which we navigate difficult terrain ahead. It's the headline in the newspaper that says, whatever else you read today, this is the good news. And yet, let's be honest, the buffet of distractions is flourishing. And who doesn't love an all-you-can-eat buffet? You with me? And so we walk down the road with our tray in hands with these temptations of diversions everywhere. There's this new temptation that's arisen lately that, that wants me to define myself by what I'm against rather than what I'm for. And we walk by, we go, oh, I'll have a little bit of that. 
We're tempted to gorge on facts and figures until they breed into fear, overshadowing the promises of Scripture. That looks tasty. I'll have a scoop. We're tempted to cancel relationships because after years and years of being together, we finally found something we don't agree on. Got to give me a little bit of that. We're tempted into anxiety and impatience and anger. That's the pattern of this world. What would it look like, though, if we, we skipped the buffet line and went to the main menu? Really think about that. Where has God's word taken a backseat in your life and why? I love how one scholar put it centuries ago. He said, what madness it is to join in this puppet show which is displayed on a temporary tottering stage. Do a little experiment with me. Let's just look at how God's word might shift our focus even just this week. Look at this in verse three. What if you began your morning with this? I say to everyone among you, quit thinking of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but rather think with sober judgment. How might that change your day? Later, we were driving down through the Gallatin Canyon this weekend, and we were watching the recreation take place down on the river. And first, we drove by all these tourists in blue rafts, right? Everyone had their hands up in the air. They were confident. They knew what to do, paddling together. And then down the road, there was this group of brand new kayakers who clearly had no clue They were not nearly as confident. In fact, they looked scared. They were sitting in the water, staring at their instructor, trying to figure it all out. And it got me thinking, this is kind of life. When we're all on the raft, rowing in the same direction, how good it is. Lord, you tell us where to go, we'll paddle all day long. But when the enemy shows up, what he'd love to do more than anything is divide us in our pride and separate us in our discord. Each of us now in our own separate vessels, making our own detached way. It's a doable option, but far more cumbersome. See, I would say this is a season that requires humility more than any other season the church has faced. A season that requires all of us digging into God's word together and asking questions far more than we give answers. Listen carefully far before we speak. Listen again, when thinking of your qualifications, Paul says, use sober judgment. Stop thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. That might be how we open our day, but what if we closed our day with verse 12? Rejoice in hope, Scripture says, be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. What if that became the memorized verse for those sleepless nights? What if next time we had to make a tough decision, we just followed that pattern first? What's the hope we need to rejoice in right now? Where is God teaching us patience? How can we spend time in prayer before jumping to a conclusion? We've looked at how to start our day, how to finish our day, but then we all know the middle of the day is the most difficult. What happens when someone wounds you or says a word that is offensive. Look at this in verse 18. If possible, so far as depend on you, live peacefully with all. Verse 21 goes on to say, do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Life is short. Trials are temporary. Don't miss the memo. 
the Apostle Paul wrote these, uh, these lessons in his letter to the Roman church. Right, That's what the book of Romans is about. But before turning to Christ, he was one of the most respected men in all of Judaism. He was known as Saul of Tarsus, a, a Pharisee. He had a passion for the law. He had a fervor for the tradition of his faith. He was about as devout as you could be. His faith was unmatched. In fact, you could even say he was radical in it because as you may know, he was killing Christians with what he believed. Look at this in Acts chapter nine when Jesus comes to find him on the road to Damascus. Then Saul, still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were along the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You know what a goad was? A goad was like a cattle prod. About an eight-foot pole that if the ox was leading well and going in the right direction, all was well. But if the ox got off course, it started poking itself against the prod into its flesh. Saul missed the memo. You've been kicking against the goad, Saul. He was certain that he had all the good intentions. He was convinced to the point of murder that he was right. And yet Saul was dead wrong. Verse 6 says, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, arise and go to the city. You'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless because they heard a voice but saw no one. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Verse 20 tells us, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he was the son of God. Do not be confirmed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't hear me wrong here. I'm not suggesting this morning that the the storm that continues to swirl around us is trivial. It's not. Or that the facts aren't important or that the arguments shouldn't be made or I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't be informed and be able to articulate how we see the climate ahead. What I'm saying is, if you lose sight of Christ in the midst of the fray, if you lose sight of what God is doing in the midst of all this turbulence, if you lose the pages of, word, of his word in your life, you've missed the memo. Listen to this. Let me break this down. Look at this. Uh, do not be conformed to this world. The word world here is ion in Greek. It means temporary age. Do not be conformed to this age. In other words, do not be conformed to the the flavor of the day, the temporary moment in time, or the passing fad. And just so we're all clear, I'm pretty sure this is not referring to face masks. Conformity will never lead to a witness in Christ. Conformity has to do with conforming to the sinful patterns of the world. If we blend in and we look like the rest, if church becomes a microcosm of the culture around us, we've failed. No, Paul says, instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Dean touched on this last week, but here's the gist. What you think, the words that you take in, 
the things that you dwell on, what your mind processes, it eventually leads you somewhere. But if you want to know God's perfect and good and pleasing will for your life, the only way to do that is to let your mind be filled by his truth and his word and his promise. One of my favorite stories of all time is about a famous dog named Lucky. One day out on a walk, Lucky broke his leash from his owner and he ran away. The owner was devastated, just heartbroken. He put up this massive sign offering a, a reward for his return. And here's what the sign said. It said, lost dog. He's only got three legs. He's blind in the left eye. He's missing a right ear. His tail has been broken off. He's near death. But if you scream loud enough, he'll answer by the name Lucky. It's kind of an ironic name, isn't it? Like maybe, the, maybe his name should be something more like unfortunate or clumsy. But think about this. His owner knows every blemish, every wound, the mess that he is. And yet his words on the sign prove how much he loves him. To the point that maybe this dog's name should be changed to something more like loved. Right? And that massive sign, that's God's word to us. It's not just a map for life. It's the gospel. It's words that are screaming out to the lost and the burned out and the hopeless, come home. And when we live into God's word as he's intended for us, through that obedience, we become the witness of that love. Look at this game plan. Look at how scripture lays this out. For as in one body we have many members, the members don't have the same function. So we, though many, are one body, individually members of each other. We all have different gifts. If so, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, service and serving, teaching and teaching, the one who teaches and teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let me summarize that. We still have a mission. Don't get distracted. Whatever gifts God has given all of us for the kingdom, use them with sincere love and zeal. Live them out. My professor never gave me the second chance. I'm still a little hurt by it. The failed exam led to the worst grade of all of college. No way to get that moment back. In fact, the only good that came out of that entire situation was the lesson that came from it. So let me offer us a different kind of test today. This one's an open book. I'm going to give you all the answers. All you have to do is listen to the memo one more time and then live it this week. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, 
If in service and serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Bless them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him some to drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's ask God to help discern his will this week and then to live that out together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word to us, Lord. And God, we confess there's many times where, uh, where we think we're on the right track and yet we've steered away. God, because we're broken, because we mess up and we're not perfect, but Lord, your word is true. Your word is pure. It is a lamp unto our feet. And so God, we just pray, would you guide our path, Lord? Would you make us a witness to this world that they would see your love, that they would come home? God, we ask for forgiveness for the times where our witness has proved to be of something else, not of you. So God, this morning, would you return us back? Would you renew our minds back into you? that we might be transformed by your grace, your mercy, and your love. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.